name is Keisha Riley. Um, I grew up, I was born in San Francisco. I grew up in Oakland, East Oakland, and then we later moved to Hayward, Castro Valley area. And then when I got married, I moved back to Oakland. Um, my childhood, I'm an only child. And for a while, I think I was like three or four, my mom was a single mom. And I had no connection with my biological dad. And then my mom met my stepdad. And uh, I think like on the first or second family date, I said, can I start calling you daddy? And that was it. Um, yeah, that was it. So I was raised as only child for about six or seven years. And then my stepdad found out that he had a daughter. And so my mom and stepdad went to L.A. to go get her and brought her up and raised us together until their relationship came to an end. And they divorced when I was 12, 13 years old. That was good, but I also like longed to actually meet my biological father. I had two brothers that I would always see pictures of and all that. And I'm like, maybe one day we can just happen upon be at the same place at the same time to meet each other. And it never happened. But my father worked for a muni in San Francisco. And my aunt, as well as my best friend's father, also worked for muni. And so he would keep tabs on me through them. So I didn't know this for years, but later on when we finally met, he would give me my whole rundown of things that happened and he found out through them. So um, I didn't really feel like I missed a beat, but it was really nice to know. Um, but I believe God did not allow that to be because he was not what I needed at that time in my life. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So throughout your childhood, did you have a relationship with Christ? Absolutely. And where did that form from? I was four, I believe, four or five when I was baptized. Uh, my mom moved over here to Oakland from San Francisco and we started going to church and she got baptized and then that was just like life for me and I understood who Jesus was and um, why it was important to stick with him. So it was very, very early on in my life. As a child, I knew he was there. Um, I knew who he was. He actually revealed himself to me when I was really, really young. So I was kind of scared um, that that actually happened. I was on the back porch one day after church. It was a great cloudy day. And I had just come in from church and I was talking to my parents. They were in the house on the back porch. And then this vision just like he just appeared. And I'm like, really? Like, mommy, daddy, I think I just saw Jesus. Um, but he was... He was evident. He was always there. I knew, you know, I could talk to him. Um, I can, he, I just knew he was always with me. So I think that's the best way to put it. I, I never, as a, as a child grew up, I never really stirred from, like, you know, moved away from him until I got older and we all started losing our minds when we become teenagers and young adults, right? So, yeah. When I like staring away from him, it wasn't, I always like prayed, right? I always read my word. Um, but then, of course, you know, the hustle and bustle of the culture also gets your attention. So I was one of those walking the fence. Like I would, when I was like, I don't know, high school, I was still hanging out with my friends, doing the stuff that we weren't supposed to be doing. But Sunday morning, I knew I had to be at church. So I was at church. So Sunday morning, I would have that, oh, Lord, please. And then, you know, Wednesday night, where the party at? So, um, so steering away, I don't know if steering away would be the right thing. Maybe just trying to have too much other stuff kind of. Um, kind of choke out our relationship. Um, I had gone from being in private school my entire life, I mean my entire life, to going to public school in my junior year and I went to Castro Valley High. And there were some life transitions there that um, maybe I was 
not left to myself, but I was given more flexibility and freedom and I took it. And so I think it was that time right there in which it was like, okay, I can, I can do this and still be cool with Christ. And that's kind of like what I did. And I justified it because I was like, well, I'm still in church. I still, I still read my word and you know, I still pray like before a test or something. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it was about, I was about 16, 15, 16. And it was just like, I know I still want to live for Christ. And I know that I still want to go to heaven. I know I should be talking to people about the word of God and who God is and why it's important to know him. Uh, but I also want to be like, you know, I want to be 16. And that was a, I felt at some point in my life, that was like a big burden to bear. Be like the only one. I would go out with my girlfriends and, you know, they want to drink at 16, 17. I was the, I was the designated driver. I was like, I don't do all that. So it was a rough road to walk. Um, I just, for one, my mom wasn't having it, right? That's big deal. I mean, you know, you come in when you come in, but guess what's happening in a few hours? You go to church. So, um, but I was okay with that. And my friends knew that. It was like Sunday morning. Oh, what you doing? I'm going to church. Why don't you go? Oh, no, no, no. I can't do that. So, and even to this day, some of my girlfriends I grew up with, they're still like, they'll come to a church event. But I'm like, why are you not saved? No, I'm not ready. So me standing alone, my mom told me one thing, and I say this all the time and I tell my kids, that sometimes in life, you have to walk this road alone. And I didn't think about literally by myself, but I get it now. It's like I do things or I was required to do things that other people weren't, weren't required to do, and I had to be okay with it. So I was okay with it. Was there ever a point in your later teen years where you found yourself at like a crossroad with, I know what Christ is telling me to do, but I'm about to jump completely into what I wasn't taught. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Like I was like, I kind of lost my mind a little bit. You know, I had my moments, but no, there was never a point in time where I was like, what? No. I, I, there was always a longing um, for a relationship. There was always, you know, like Jesus would talk to me. He would show me things. And I knew if I cut that off, then I would really, really be going my own way. Now, in some instances, I did, right? I, like, heard his voice or got an unction and was like, whatever. And every time I went against it, some things went wrong. So that, for me, was a constant um, reminder of how important it was for me to stay with him, even though I wasn't doing everything he was calling me to do. So I think it's just, it was, I mean, something so simple, but it's really not, is who I align myself with. Um, my acquaintances and making the transition from private school. I went to like Bishop Without and I ended up at Cash Valley High. That was a culture shock in more than one way. Um, and so I had to kind of find my way and I could have um, I could have gone with the crowd for the sake thereof and even though I knew that what they were up to was no good, I could have gone with them but it was a good God just kept telling me no. Like every time they try and I'm like, mm, something just doesn't feel right. Um, like I would try and go hang out with them and we would like miss curfew or, you know, they get in trouble. I have my mama worried about what's going on. And those kind of things just did not sit well with me. My mom has done too much for me for me to put her through that. So um, it was just, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. So I tried it. We had some things, you know, oh, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. We're going to smoke some weed. We're going to get drunk, whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, let's go with it. And then I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not, it's not, not about that life. <laughs> not about that life. <laughs> okay. So it seems clear that even though 
you was around particular acquaintances at times that the Lord always steered you differently. He set you apart in all times. Mm -hmm. Is that because it's clear that the Lord has a great calling on your life, was there ever monumental times where Satan tried to completely stop that and be like, and where did that start? Yes. The one... It started when I was... It happened to me when I was 14 years old. Um, I was a sophomore in high school and I went to the doctor and the doctor told my mom that be prepared to bury her in seven years when she's 21. She's going to develop a very, very rare form of cancer in her, in her reproductive system and it's going to move quick and it's going to take her out. So be prepared to bury her. And that was like 10.30 in the morning and my mom, I got that word from my doctor and I was like, no, that can't be. I, what, what do you mean? What? How can you say that to somebody? And I went back to school and I talked to one of the nuns there and I'm just like, but this is not enough. It was at that point in time when I said, when I started to realize, you know, I knew I wasn't born to die at 21 and I knew there was more in store. And I think that may be some of the things that kept me, even I wanted to try and test out what was going on in the world, but it kept me closer to him because of what someone said. And I was not going to let what they, what man said or what the doctor said deter what God had planned for me. So that, that was the breaking point for me. That was the point right there at 14 years old that I wanted to be sure I wasn't going to be dead at 21. So I could have taken it one route and said, I'm just going to live it, you know, live and live my life up and do what I want to do. And I think for a minute I had like that moment, like, well, I'm going to die. I might as well just do what I want to do now. And so I kind of had that. And then it kind of like snapped back. Girl, what is wrong with you? Um, so I think that's why I didn't go all the way. So at 14, under the, I felt that that was an attack. Um, and I was like, no. And I remember my mom saying, you know, this is going to be turned around. I said, absolutely. I said, because this is what Satan meant it for bad. Like he, he put this seed here and it was up to me to either like squash the seed and return it to the pit of hell from which it came from or, um, or to recognize, okay, God, this has been done to us. What the devil meant for bad, you're going to use it for your for good and for your glory. And I think that was a God allows things to happen to us, right? So we can stay near and dear to Him, and we can He allows things. Um, think about Job, right? He allows things. But I think that was maybe the initial caveat to which me staying closer to Him and recognizing who He really is, and that He has the power. We have the power. We have the control given by Him um, to make the decision. So what the devil meant for bad. Got me for good because here I am today with well past 21 years old. <laughs> you don't want to date yourself too much. Huh? With a whole bunch of kids. <laughs> oh, and that's another thing. Um, of course, I wasn't going to be here, right? At 21. But shortly thereafter, when I was about 22, 23, I had an injury in my back that the doctors told me that I would never be able to have kids. Mind you, I just had one and that I would never be able to run again. That was not the case. So it's okay, Lord, yet yet another strike um, on an attack on my life. And I'm not here for it. So we're going to fight through this. Um, aside from the crazy boyfriend that I had in high school. I was just about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's step back a couple of years. Let's step back a couple of years. So 14 years old, I got that diagnosis. Went to went to public school. Gosh, probably high. Um, 
met a young man. I was like, I don't want to date you. I'm cool. So he will follow me home. Just craziness, right? But we, it was like, okay, he, Keisha, he's really digging. You should go. Don't you know, he's that money. And I'm like, I don't care about that. This boy crazy. And I should have followed my first mind then. You want to talk about me following my first mind. I should have followed my first mind then. But, um, so I started dating this guy, whatever. And I was like, this is not working. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. And he like kidnapped me for 13 hours and drove me through like the Santa Cruz mountains strapped to the in the back of his car telling me that if I can't have you, nobody can. And I was like, no, this is not how the story ends. And so then the whole time I was like, you know what? This is not going to be it. And I began to pray and speak in tongues. It's like, I'm not, no, we are not doing this. The devil is a lie. So I had that at 14 and then attack on my life at 17. So for like a year or so, I was looking over my shoulder because he left California and went to school in Georgia. And right before we broke up, his parents sent me to visit him. And he was going to Morehouse. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So they bought him a house and everything. Three bedroom, two bat, two and a half bat house. Beautiful home. And she was like, well, her mom was like, well, why don't you go to Spelman? And he goes to Morehouse. And I was like, mm, yeah. So I go down there. We get there. There's no electricity in the house. And all of the windows are covered with black plastic bags. And dark burgundy curtains and I'm just like wait a minute did you fly me to my death this is what I'm thinking I'm losing it right so anyway long story short I'm in Atlanta all it all goes well right it works out it's fine um I come back realize like, yeah I don't I don't want this I'm good with you he wouldn't come to church with me so I you know I wasn't it was it, things just were not lining up um so it was like the breaking point like our spirits didn't gel right how can two walk unless they agree we weren't agreeing and it was obvious. So at every turn, there was a battle about something. You know, then he was jealous. Well, who, why are you talking to him? Who is that guy? You know, all these things are happening. And then, you know, back in the day, we had pagers. So my pagers are going off and then somebody else, or I page him and some girl calls back. And I'm like, I, I'm too young for this. I can find some, nope, I'm not doing this. So after I start catching him up in his mess and it's like, well, what's this, 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 and this? Then he wants to start like trying to mistreat me and, you know, stalking me. I'm leaving my house and he's sitting up on the hill talking about, I see you, crazy stuff. So no, we were done. <laughs> some of the things that caused me to recognize that we were not going to be that power couple that his parents wanted us to be, aside from him being crazy, was, I mean, I don't, I don't even, I think some of the things I blocked out because it was just like crazy. Um, trying to like force me to like try drugs I wasn't interested in, you know, pushing on me because that's what he was doing. Um, he was into and um, I mean, we would drive around and one day we were driving downtown Oakland. He just decides to pull out a gun and start shooting at cars. I like my freedom, so I was not down for that. So it's those kind of things that I'm like, at any given time, he can turn that gun on me, right? If you're free to just tear up somebody else's property because you're angry, you can be angry with me. The Bible says angry and sin not. And you, I mean, that was not his thing because he was not, he didn't believe in God. So I, I believe now looking back that God allowed, allowed that, but he kept me. Because growing up, you always think, oh, I want my husband to have this much money. And I want him to do this. And I want this and I want this. And I, I wholeheartedly had it. Like his parents had the best of the best. Creme de la creme, right? I went to all the balls with the long gowns and all the, you know, escargot and the fufu. And I did all that. Um, but he was crazy. That's the bottom line. So God showed me, this is what you think you want. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to show you what it really, really looks like. And on the other side. Because everything that glitters is not gold. So that's what... Um, 
I think oh, uh, the culmination of all those things will cause me to say, this is not what I want. I can't, I can't do this any longer. But I mean, he's had like accidents where his car flipped over and then glass was all in his head. He showed me my front door all bloody. Um, he would drive and we would be in like a, his Camaro and we would go under the big rigs on the freeway. Just the crazy stuff. So when I tell you I was done, because like psychologically, I could have been messed up, but God said no. God said no. Okay. So <laughs> could you explain the day you were kidnapped? How did that start? How did it, yeah, how did it unfold? So, so it's just like a normal day. Like we were going out, right? This is when we were like, we were cool. We were good. And so remind you, I'm using terminology of today's time to try and describe what happened then because I'm sure those words weren't the words then. But anyway, we were cool. And we would probably got, you know, come pick me up. We're going to breakfast, going to lunch. I mean, we would go hang out. His parents, he had a car. You know, his parents were like, you going out with Keisha? Okay, here you go. Whatever. It was good. So we would go to breakfast, go to lunch. We could be gone all day. No big deal. We didn't have cell phones. We had pagers. Um, so he's like, okay, we're going to go here. Okay, fine. So if I remember correctly, and like I say, I think I may block some of this out. We were in some little cafe could have been, I don't know, Santa Cruz. I don't know. It was like some, I don't know what it was. Anyway, and it got, he was like, some guy trying to say hello or whatever. I don't know. It was really ugly. And then he like threw me in the back seat. I'm like, hold on. I'm, I'm stronger than this. I don't know what happened. But anyway, seatbelt, seatbelt. And I was pretty much like stuck in the back seat. And he's driving. Yep. Mm -hmm, yep. Uh -huh. If I can't have you, nobody can. He's driving all slow through the mountain. If I can't have you, nobody. And then he just, I could turn his music on and he start, you know, singing his songs and it was like the enemy had his mind and he was just like kept looking back at me yeah i'm like what does that mean i said then why don't you just let me go you and i got to point you gonna kill me kill me now this whole thing is not working so um yeah it was it was it was a strange it was a gray day another gray day right it was a gray day and we were just hanging out for the day and it all went bad like real quick i was gone all day. So it wasn't like a, I'm walking down the street and he snatched me up. It was like I was with him and then things switched on me because I told him I'm ready to go. And at that point, when I, I'm ready to go and you're telling me no, now you're holding me against my, my wishes. So, um, yeah. And then eventually it, it fared out and he brought me home clearly. But I was like, whoo, okay, cleared that one. And that was pretty much the end of the road. So after you had started praying, then it switched back and he apologized or something? Mm -hmm. Or did he just... He just, it's like he snapped out of it. I was like... Like I say, I was praying. I was speaking in tongues. I was calling. I was casting, you know, just everything. Like, I'm going to get home. And after a while, he seemed to settle down. And whatever was on him was like, I had arrested it, I guess. Um, God had arrested it. And then he ended up going driving home. And I knew by this point, like where we were, by this time, his parents moved from Castro Valley to Woodside. And so we were in that area. So I realized, okay, then we're heading home. This is not going to happen. This is not what it is. So I think I thank God for that. I don't think my mama knew that story. But anyway. <laughs> Does she know to this day? I don't think she knows the the extent. Um she knew I dealt with some stuff. Uh when we left Castro Valley and we moved back to Oakland, um, he popped up on my doorstep. And, you know, he would drive by my house with his car and it had that eh, 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 and he would drive by my house really slow. And like call my phone and just it was crazy. Even this is after I'm long gone, I moved on. It was it was crazy. Yeah. Twenty three, twenty four, I was working for a well known beverage company and I had a back injury. I got hurt on the job and uh 
I went to their doctors and after a year and a half of going back and forth and seeing my chiropractor every day for six months in San Francisco, first thing in the morning, every day, um, their doctors determined that I would not be able to uh, have carry kids um, or run again. So first, the doctor told me years ago that I was going to be dead by 21. So I, I, God said no. I survived my then boyfriend doing what he was going to do or what he thought he was going to do. <laughs> Excuse me. And now I've at 23 years old. Now you're telling me that I'm going to live. I just want to have good quality of life. And I know that is not a God, right? He gives us life. Comes in, we have life. We have it more abundantly. So I knew. Okay, here we go. Go. Yeah. Okay, Satan. You just you won't quit. So. You had three attacks and I'm still surviving. I'm still here. I'm existing. I'm living. I'm not existing. I'm living and I'm walking. But this time I'm walking in the, in the word of God. I'm walking like I'm a living testimony, right? I'm a walking miracle. So um, I heard their words yet again and I said, okay, thank you for your opinion, your diagnosis, and I'm going to be certain to prove you otherwise. And I did. I did. Clearly, I had the one child at the time. So when I thought I was pregnant with my second child, I was, I guess I was in awe and um, honestly, I was, I was going to be a single mom again. And so I was like, what did you just do to yourself? Like what, like what's going on? So I had like my best friend at the time. She was like, oh my goodness, you know, you're going to keep the baby and all this stuff. I'm like, nah, cause that's, that's not a good look, you know, and all this. So I went back and forth through this whole process of you know, well, this is wrong. Um, had a baby out of wedlock. And can you go back a little? You said you're going to be a second mom again. When did that first happen? My first, my first child when I was 21. Okay. So I was with his dad <laughs> off and on for 10 years. Okay. I was engaged to be married and it came to the point where I realized um, three months before I walked down the aisle, I called my wedding off. Um, I had fasted and prayed. And I was like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because there's a child involved? Am I doing this because he loves me? Am I doing it because I love him? Um, it was still a battle to get to church. I'm like, okay, I am weakening my testimony by, you know, just not being the one of God that God is calling me to be. And so I said, listen, this is where I am. And just because we have a kid together does not mean we have to have a life together. And I'm okay with whatever your decision, you know, if you choose to walk away, I want more. And if you choose to walk away, it's fine. God's going to take care of us. <laughs> and he did just that. Walked away. Um, and he told me, I trust that whomever you marry will be able to take care of you and him better than I can. And I said, so because you and I are not together anymore, you don't even want to deal with your son. How does this work? Um, so I think somebody, someone may have like talked him into coming back. And that was not my request. But he said, well, can we go to dinner and talk about it? Sure, we can talk about it. So we tried it again. So we went to counseling and all those things. And um, by this time I was dating. And I don't know, several months into us trying to work it out, you know, counseling and just talking and going to dinner and being, you know, I got pregnant with my second son by somebody else. And so that was a whole nother, a whole nother thing. I'm like, okay, it is what it is. And then me having to accept that. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know what this is. So I told my mom. I said, mom, um, I'm pregnant and I'm not keeping my baby. And she goes, the devil is a lie. And I said, okay. So we talked about it. And I said, okay, you know what? And then I like, I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, 
I didn't do this right and I'm repenting for this. But I was told I wasn't going to be here, let alone have kids. And both of those things would be found untrue. I'm having my baby. So if I, I remember one day, you know, I made the decision. I let my ex know, listen, this is what's going on. He's like, okay, fine. You know what? I want to be here. Let's try and be a family. We already have one. Let's make it two. And then go from there. So we tried that whole process. That ended up being a joke, clearly. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I was taking a nap in my mama's car one day. And his name came across me, came across my eyes like a, like a flashing light. And I woke up and I said, this is a boy and his name is Isaiah. And that it, it is what it is. So yes, he was born. I was a single mom times two. And I, uh, I mean, I did what I had to do in that I, went back to grad school because <laughs> I figured for education, I can always have a great opportunity. I can take care of my boys, right? Um, to be very transparent, I filed for welfare. Um, I had food stamps and I had Medi-Cal and gaining bananas for daycare all while I was in grad school because I did what I had to do to take care of my family, take care of me and my boys. And, um, I wouldn't recommend it, but I'm not going to shy away from my reality. That's what it did. That's what it took to get me to where I am today. And so I remember my case manager saying to me, I've never had anyone come, come on and get off as quickly as you did. I said, because it was a means to an end. It was not a lifestyle. Um, and through it all, I mean, you know, God kept me. There's a lot of things that I talk, I talk to young girls about, about things that I endured. And they're like, how did you get to it? It's nothing but God. And I, some of these things were because of my own doing that had I just stuck in and, and did what he called me to do, some things wouldn't have happened, but they did. And even I made a mess of things, but out of that, right, God still, he, he still provided, he still showed up. He was still there. He's faithful, compassionate, he's loving and, uh, his grace and his mercy, they're new every day. Trust me, <laughs> trust me. When I wouldn't give myself grace or mercy, God was giving it to me. And so, um, yeah. And then moving on, I mean, you know, I came to a point, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I want the family. God, you, 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 you preserved my life. You've healed my body and I'm giving myself over to you. That was it. It came to a point. I was like, I'm done. I'm done with all the games, all the drama, you know, whatever. I don't, I'm, I'm done. Lord, you bring my husband. And, uh, I met my husband when Isaiah was about nine months old, six months, nine months, something like that. And so I fell in love with him immediately. And I was like, okay, but we were just friends. Like for real, just friends. Like I was going, I was still, I wanted to date cause I still was like, okay, I'm gonna make myself available. So if somebody comes with the right man comes along, I want to be available. I'm not shutting that down, right? I'm not hiding under a rock. And so I was still dating and I were friends. And I was like, okay, I'm going on a date tonight. I'll call you when I get back, let you know how it goes. And he's like, okay, fine. You know, he was there. <laughs> he was the mainstay. He was there. I'm just like, why didn't I see that before? But, um, yeah, in grad school, my car broke down. He would come and get me, take me to school, pick me up from school, take me to go get the boys from school because my car broke down. My mom went to China for like three months. And so he's like, you can't do this by yourself. I was, I was working, coaching basketball and in school with two boys. He was like, you can't do this by yourself. You, I said, okay, fine. So I allowed him to be like that support. And over time, I mean, things just kind of developed and 
lo and behold, almost 20 years later, here we are. <laughs> so when did the Lord confirm it in your spirit that that was your husband? Um, the exact date, I don't remember, but the exact moment, I mm-hmm. remember. All right, talk about the moment. The moment. So um, his transparent moment is that he was married and things went south real quick, but they were just kind of like there. And so I was like, nope. You're a mayor. I'm not doing this. I'm not dating a married man. Nope, I'm not playing this game. So that's why we stayed friends for so long. And when he came to me and he said, you know, we should try this. I was like, mm-hmm, no, we should. We shouldn't try anything. Um, and so I just focused on school. And I was like, Lord, if this be it, then reveal it to me. And I had a dream. And he said no. At the time, at, for that moment. It wasn't a no, no. It was a, mo- a no for that moment. So, Okay. I'll just, you know, let it pass. So I was still out, you know, still dating, but I was really focused on my kids now in school. I didn't have no more time in my schedule for any drama. Um, So like a year or two passed and I was sitting at my desk in my room. And the Lord said, it was like a little, Lord said, now. So I picked up my phone and I called him at work and I was like, hi. And we had had some space between us a few weeks between us. We hadn't talked. And, you know, as much as we used to. And I said, I'm just calling to check in and say, hey. And, you know, he's like, well, how are you doing? And I'm like, okay, I'm battling with macroeconomics right now, but I'll get through it. So we're talking. And I said, I think we should. I think it's about time we give this a try. And he won't admit to it, but I heard him say, yes. <laughs> and it was at that moment that he was like, okay, let's, let's, let's try and make this work. Now, he was, he had known my boys, right? Who he at that point in time, these are my kids. It's okay, fine. He had known my boys and um, he'd been there all this time. He'd like filled in the gaps where there were many, because at this time there were many. I was, you know, focusing on everything and I still had balls falling around me. And I'm like, I do this thing, I'm doing what I can. Um, so he just let me know that, you know, you are enough. You are okay. You are not what happened to you in the past. It takes, you know, a lot of different things to happen. He said, but you are okay. And so we were just cool. We were like, we cool. And then we led up to the change in the nature of our relationship. Yeah. And so on my graduation day from grad school, he told me as I was getting ready for my graduation party, he goes, I think I want to marry you next year. This was May of 2008. He goes, I want to marry you February of next year, February 7th. I look at myself and say, is that a proposal? What am I supposed to do with that? Like, I'm getting ready to graduate, but what am I supposed to do with that? Like, are you proposing to me? Do I make plans? Or are we just going to sit here and wait till February to show up? So I was still a little... Um, I said, no, no, no. I want you to start making plans. I'm like, okay. So I told my mom and, you know, I'm like, this is really happening. And, uh, yeah, November 4th of that year, we went to go vote. And then we went and had engagement photos. And that's when he actually proposed to me, like, like I guess legally or technically, because he had the ring. And we had a whole debacle about the ring, like, prior to that. So I was just like, ah. But yeah, so that's my life in a nutshell. <laughs> so where are you now? Where am I now? Um, I thought I told him a long time when my life belongs to him then. But seeing where he brought me from and where he brought me to... Um, there's no way that I could live my life without giving myself to him wholly. There's no way. Um, there's no life without him. At least for me, there's no life. 
Um, <laughs> I'm appreciative. I'm thankful. I'm, I'm just, I'm in awe. Um, not that I don't know what God is capable of, but to see him actually do it in my life, in me personally, is huge. Um, I don't know if I can find enough adjective to describe how I feel when I think, when I look back and think, literally, I feel, this sounds so cliche, but I look back at what he brought me through and then where I am today. I never, I know what I wanted. I know that, you know, to be married, um, to have kids, all that is like, I guess it once was the American dream. I don't know about the American dream, but I know it was my dream. I dreamt about my wedding day. I dreamt about what it'd be like to have my kids. I dreamt about the home. I dreamt about all of it. And at some point in my life, I didn't even see it possible because I didn't know, you know, like, oh, I've done too much wrong for God to really honor my prayers at this point. But to know that God hears me and that he sees me and that he loves me and that he cares for me, he provides for me, just all that God is not, and that <sighs> Holy Spirit is a gentleman. So I allow him to have his way. And I just can't thank him enough through action or doing anything for all that he's done, what all that he's brought me through. Because I think I think about the song, I should have been dead in my grave. Well, based on what Kaiser said, I should have been dead in my grave. Um, I should not have had five kids. Um, I should not, I could not even been married. I was, you know, my ex told me, nobody's going to marry you because you're stupid, you're dumb, you know. And had I had the wherewithal to believe that and not have the mind of Christ, I would have lived my life under the pretense of what he said I was going to be or who I was, not based on who God said I am. So, um, yeah, I, 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 and I think that's why I try so hard to, to impart this into people that I come in contact with, because I know what I've been through and people are often allowed themselves to be a product of their, um, situation and you don't have to be because God is gracious. God is faithful. He's forgiving. Even when we aren't forgiving. He's forgive. He's forgive. And if we try to align ourselves and be like him, which we are supposed to be, then we too will understand um, the compassion and the grace that he extends to us. We need to extend to others. So where am I? Where I am today is uh, not where I'm not done. Clearly, the journey is not done. But I feel that I, personally, I've grown up. I've matured, um, and I'm truly, truly. Um, just allowing God to have his way. Don't understand everything. I don't agree with everything. But I trust him enough to know that it's all working together for my good. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 16, 25, 70, whatever the case may be. As long as you're here and there's still breath in your body, God is not done with you. And you can make all the mistakes you got to make because we're human. We're going to make them. We think we know better, but we don't. Um... Just know that the the the, the uh, decisions that you make right now will affect your future, but it doesn't have to be done. It, that that's not that's not it. And think, don't think for the right now. Look down the line. If I may, I remember when I was teaching and I had students that come in and say, you know, oh, this is what I did this weekend. I jacked this fool. I did this. I'm like, what about your future? My future. My future, I'm 19. I may, I may not even live to see 21, Mrs. Riley. What do you mean my future? And then God, you have a future. So don't think for a moment that 
your situation currently is going to be it for, for always. Give over to God. He can turn around. What's the little cliche? You can take a test into a testimony, a mess into a message. God can use he can use anything, anyone to, to get his point across. So why not let it be you? Right? You're worth it. So, I mean, there's nothing that's going to separate you from the love of God. You just got to, it's easier just to turn your life, turn yourself back to him. Turn your life back to him and let him use you. Because it's kind of like this. If you buy a Honda, you're not going to try and take your Honda to a Volvo dealer. Right? Because the Volvo dealer don't know nothing about the Honda in the parts. Right? And vice versa. Or whatever case. If you had a camera, if you had whatever case maybe, you're going to take it back to his maker. So, because the maker knows the intricate details of that specific unit. Well, God knows your specific intricate details of you because he made you. So, there's nothing that you can do to fix you. Right? You can just give it over to him wholeheartedly. Not saying with lip service, with your heart. Wholeheartedly. Give yourself back to him and let him do what he needs to do in you. He can fix you better than anybody, anything, anybody, any drug, any any man, any woman, any whatever. God's got you. So let him have you. Let go. Let God. <laughs>